Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Doers of the Word, that's what is going to be the thing we're talking about today. And I was thinking about titles. It's, it's definitely not the fanciest of titles. I do apologize. I thought about doing uh, Just Do It, you know, like Nike. <laughs> but with as big as Kai is getting, you know, I felt like Nike might get a hold of that, legalities. I don't want to deal with it. And so, yeah, we're going to hear, be hearing about being doers of the word. And so, yeah, many of, many of us here in Kaya, uh, we're members of Bible studies that meet all across the city. And uh, these studies help us grow uh, in our knowledge of God's word and fellowship with one another. It's been a key element for me in growing in my faith since coming here in 2018. And that's my man right there, Miles Cheadle. And so if, if you've ever been in a Bible study with Miles, and I'm sure he's not the only one that does this, but man, you can, you can expect to hear one question before we start every single Bible study. It's, what's the number one rule of Bible study? Boom. I heard it somewhere over here. Is that Andy Cardona? You, get, you got it. <laughs> it's context. Yeah. That really gets louder when I put my face down there. Um, yeah, number one rule of Bible study is context. So it helps us understand where we've been, where we are, and where we're going in the text. Uh, and since we've been in 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, we're kind of just, we're marching through. So week to week, we kind of know where we've been. So it doesn't require as much updating on a, on a given Sunday. But now, like, we're hopping into the book of James. And so I feel like it's necessary to give us context to what we're going to be speaking about today. Um, yeah, the, the book of James, it doesn't exist between Romans and Philemon. It's a couple books after. So we know as church-age believers that the books Romans to Philemon, those were written to us. They're for us. Man, we can take every instruction in there and apply it to our lives. Uh, but the rest of Scripture, um, we don't toss the rest of that Scripture out because it's not written to us. It's still written for us. There's still benefits we get from God's Word, um, such as uh, our knowledge of creation. Like, how, how are we here? How do we get here? Uh, for us to see how God has worked throughout time in the lives of his people, uh, for our faith to be strengthened in seeing fulfilled prophecy, uh, and for us to know the person and mission and love of Jesus Christ. Uh, and we can go on and on. Um, so yeah, God gave us Romans through Philemon to receive specific instruction, um, but he gave us the rest of the Bible so that our faith could be made perfect and whole. And we can establish doctrinal, historical, and personal application throughout Scripture so long as we're careful to consider the context of where we are reading. And so that brings me to the book of James. Um, in the very first verse of the first chapter, we see it's a book written from James, big surprise, uh, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And this would be the Jewish people. So background, historically, um, this was a book written to the Jewish people who had placed their faith in Jesus Christ uh, to teach them that their faith should and will change their life. Prophetically, it's written to Jews uh, living during the tribulation to teach them how to live out their faith in the midst of hard times. And he, here it is. Here's where we are this morning devotionally for us. James is a practical manual to help us understand how our faith should be lived out. Amen. And that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. And so now that I've, uh, I've harnessed my inner Miles Cheadle, I've caught us up. <laughs> We've got context. Uh, let's pray. Uh, and then open our Bibles to James 1, 22 through 25. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this time and this opportunity. 
Uh, it's just, it's a complete blessing from you, God, to be able to be up here uh, and to preach your word. And I'm just beyond thankful. Lord, thank you for this fellowship that just has nothing but love uh, for one another. Um, yeah, God, just wanting to grow closer to you, um, edifying one another, one another in Bible studies and prayer and fellowship. God, this is just, this is my home. And so, God, I'm so thankful you've provided it. God, uh, speak through me. Uh, yeah, move my stumbling lips aside. God, and just make it clear, make these points in this message in James clear, Lord, and I thank you for showing me the things you have. Uh, yeah, Lord, I pray that you're glorified by this time. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to break this down. So I'm aware, it's pretty short. You're like, are you sure you can take up 40 minutes with four verses? You just watch. <laughs> um, we're going to be looking at uh, three different things in these four verses. The first is going to be the command. So it's going to be like the first two-thirds of verse 22 here. Uh, it should be, yeah, here we go, up on the screen. It says, uh, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Man, we could, we could, talk, we could talk for weeks about this. Um, but let me start with the, the weird icebreaker question of who here likes doing stuff. Any hands? No one's going to do it? Here we go. I like doing things. Yeah, I, like, I do stuff all the time. <laughs> In fact, uh, th I'm getting somewhere. Thanks, Braden. <laughs> um, yeah, I, all, all sorts of hobbies, um, like cycling and woodworking. And the, but the thing is, there's, there's like hobbies within our hobbies. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So like for anybody who rides bikes here, you know it's not just cycling. It, there's like road biking, mountain biking. There's, there's like gravel. You can be edgy and ride gravel. Or fixies for the hipsters in here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> And then woodworking, like, man, you got to know how to fix the machines that make the woodworking, right? And so, like, anyways, you can just go so deep in what we do. Um, and each of you guys, you guys have that, that thing. Maybe it's coming to mind right now. You have that thing in your life. Um, it's great to have hobbies and enjoy these things that we do. Uh, but in verse 22, this is what I want us to hone in on. Uh, we're being called to something greater, uh, to be doers of something specific, uh, to be doers of the word. You guys see that? It's not just calling us to do, right? Being, we're being called to be doers of the word. And that begs the question, what does it mean to be a doer of the word? Uh, it's pretty straightforward, uh, that answer. Being a doer of the word is doing the things which God commanded us to do. Uh, what he has written in his word. It, it makes, makes sense. Uh, the harder and longer question to answer is what has God commanded us to do? This is what we could spend so much time on. Um, we could, we could probably spend months answering this question, uh, but one passage that is often used is the Great Commission. A lot of us are familiar with it. Maybe there are some people here who aren't. Uh, I pray that it's beneficial going through it. So as we're reading through this, this passage in Matthew, uh, be paying attention to the commands that Jesus is giving his, disi his disciples here. So Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, it reads, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There's, lot, there's, there's commands here. And when we're looking for commands or uh, things we've been told to do, well, it helps to look at verbs, right? 
And so there should be the next slide. I did something. Here we go. There it is. So we're looking at go, teach, baptize, and then teach again. I couldn't help but be reminded of dodgeball, like dodge, dick, or <laughs> dodge, <laughs> duck, dip, dive, and dodge. <laughs> go, teach, baptize, and teach again. And we're going through these commands one at a time. We're asking ourselves uh, how we're doing in each of them. It's kind of like a, a self-evaluation. Because uh, if, we're, if we're falling short and fulfilling the great commission, like the great commandment for us, man, we'd be wise to, to see those shortcomings and change our lives so we can be uh, more glorifying to God, right? So first we're going to look at go. Um, are, are you going are you being intentional to leave your place of comfort and minister to those that God surrounds you with? That's a hard ask. I'm not proclaiming to be the perfect example of doing any of these. This is preaching to me too. So are you going? Are you teaching? And the word teach here uh, is mentioned in KJV over 33 times in the New Testament alone. But this particular root word in the Greek occurs only four times. It means to disciple or to make a disciple. Are you leading and teaching the younger believers that God has given to you? And before we even have a young believer to disciple, we have to be preaching the gospel, right? There's no disciples if there's no, no baby Christians. So how are you doing in that? How are you doing in proclaiming the gospel and the lost uh, in your lives? To the lost in your lives. Um, the third, are, are you baptizing? And I, I recognize that not all of us are in a position like Brian Bustos this morning with Ellie. Praise the Lord. I love seeing Kid Town kids get baptized and make decisions in their faith. Fantastic. So not all of us have been ordained to physically baptize somebody. Um, but it highlights the intentionality with which we are to be discipling our disciples, which is unto acts of obedience such as baptism. Amen. Right? And man, my man, my man Wakil, right here, Wakil Harper. So we finished discipleship a month ago. <laughs> and Wakil's getting baptized on May 24th. May 24th. Man, and brother, I'm just so thankful for your decision to move forward in faith. And to be, <laughs> to be a doer of the word, like, man, I'm, I'm blessed in that, Wakil. And the fourth one, are you continuing to teach? Jesus didn't command us to go ye therefore and teach one person and then call it good, right? He told us to go ye therefore and teach all nations. And this commandment requires a lifetime of, of intentionality of being willing to continue the work that God's called us to do. So when considering all we've been called to do with our lives, for me personally, it can, it can become a little overwhelming. I don't know, hopefully I'm not the only one that feels that way. When you think years down the road, it's like, man, I've got to disciple all these people. I've got to win all these lost souls to Christ. We've got to like, be involved in kid town. And I used to have all this time, you know. <laughs> we can feel overwhelmed. But there's two things that have always given me a whole lot of comfort when I get to feeling this way. One of them actually is at the very end of verse 20 in Matthew 28. And uh, Jesus promises that he's with us always, even unto the end of the world. So guys, there's, there's no nation too far or country too large to where Jesus will not be by our side. He's with us, he's with us in the midst of all our triumphs in our valleys. Man, even in Vietnam, the team that goes to Vietnam, God's right, right there with you by your side in the good times and in the hard times. The second thing would be that the fact that Jesus led the way and set the example for us. He's not calling me to do something that he hasn't already done. 
So Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, uh, Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, speaking of Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Bless you. <laughs> if Sam did it, I think I can, I can do a little bit of, little bit of blessing. <laughs> so Jesus Christ, who, who was the Son of God and in the form of God, he was willing to humble himself, which is to say he's, he's willing to make himself low. He made himself of no reputation. He became a servant. And he was even obedient unto the death of the cross. He set the ultimate example for me to follow, for all of us to follow. So who am I to hold myself in a higher place than Jesus Christ? Who am I to be unwilling to follow in his footsteps and choosing to die to myself? It's with those very footsteps, which is to say Jesus' willingness uh, to submit his will to his Father's will. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's with those very footsteps that made a way for me to be made righteous with God to save my soul from eternal death that I rightfully deserved. So that brings us to key point number one here. Our actions reveal where our love truly lies. I'm going to let some people write that down and fix this dry mouth. Our actions reveal where our love truly lies. If we're, if we're going, we're teaching, baptizing, discipling, all in the name of Jesus in preference of, of his work over our own, Man, that we're showing with our actions that we love God and the things of God over ourselves. But if we forsake the things that God has called us to do in order to serve and please ourselves, then we're showing with our actions that we love ourselves more than God and the things of God. And this isn't me just speaking to make you feel bad. I mean, I have been wrestling with this. That's why we're here in James. So we're all, we're all doing something. I use that silly illustration of who likes to do stuff at the beginning. Like, we fill our time. We, we do things. Um, is, it, is what you're um, doing falling out to the glory of God or the glory of yourself? Some cross-references would be both in John 14 here, verse 15. Jesus, Jesus speaking, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And a little bit further down, verses 21 and 24. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Jesus is pretty straightforward here. It's hard for me to make any other situation around where I can say no thanks and still claim to be a lover of Christ, right? No, so it's with our actions. We can say all kinds of stuff with our words. So if we're going to be a ministry that claims to love the person of Jesus Christ, then we have to take heed to what Christ is saying here and be willing to do those things that he has commanded us to do. Because if we don't, then with, with our actions, with the things we do, we're saying that we love ourselves more than Jesus. Um, we're, we're all guilty of this at times. And before moving on to the next part, I do want to read one more cross-reference from Luke 6, 46-49. And this is Jesus speaking here again. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house 
and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So guys, it's, it's so clear when we're hearers and doers of the word, we're like that house that stands firm against the beatings of that strong stream, able to withstand um, the hard things in our life. But if we only hear and we don't do, we don't walk forward in obedience, take steps and actions, then we're like that house that has no foundation. We just get swept away. So as a ministry, man, I, I want us to be that strong house together and individually in our walks. So the second thing that I want, to, want us to look at, I call it the warning right here. So James 1, it's that last bit of 22, and then verses 23 and 24. And it says, uh, deceiving your own selves. That's, that's an outcome of being a hearer and not a doer. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So something that stuck out is this word deceive. I wanted to learn more about what that meant, so I, I looked at its usage across scripture. Um, and I, I found two verses that were really interesting to read. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And similarly, in Galatians 6, verse 3, for if a man think himself to be something, this is the one here, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Both of these verses speak of those who think highly of themselves when in reality we're all just sinners in need of a Savior. It's easy to read these verses and think poorly of the person who lives in such a manner and you know, point that finger, but it doesn't take too long to see how we can be that same person. You know, For example, discipleship's going well. Uh, your ministry's growing and it's fruitful. You're seeing fruit at your workplace through being bold in your witness. Uh, praise, God, praise God for all those things. The last thing I want to do is speak poorly about how God's blessing you in your life. But that's exactly it. It's, it's God that's doing the growing. It's God that's doing the blessing through us. Let's be careful to avoid patting ourselves on the back for, for any of these things. I mean, we are partakers in the work. Uh, we're joined with the Lord in this work. Um, but we're not the grower. We're not the power behind it. In 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 6 through 7, um, it, it says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now I'm so thankful to be part of a church that plants and that waters, and that God is providing such an increase. You know, like when I was first coming here four years ago, this room was maybe a third of the, not, not this room, but the congregation of Kaya was maybe a third of the size, maybe half. So we're seeing so much fruit come through, and God is saving souls, and he's training people. And I'm so thankful to be a part of that. But we always have to remember our position in light of God's grace, that we were lost and without the ability to do anything of eternal value. 
But despite that, God works through us and brings the increase for his glory. And to that, man, it's just, it's just praise. Yes. That, little, that little praise hands emoji. Been using, <laughs> I've been using that one a lot recently. So key point number two, apart from God, there, there is no fruit. Apart from God, there is no fruit. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So awesome. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. So from God's, from God's word, we know that apart from him, uh, we're nothing and can do nothing. So we have to be reliant on God to work through us, but not, not because of us, for God to work through us. I mean, if we're branches and that main vine gets lopped off, where are the branches going to grow? Well, nothing. They're just going to shrivel up, right? I've got a lot of that in my yard I need to clean up soon. <laughs> Okay, in the, the second half here, um, in verses 23 and 24, we see this man that beholds himself, his reflection in a glass. And uh, James likens it uh, to, to a man who goes to a piece of glass, which I imagine was the closest thing that they had to a mirror back then. He sees his reflection, and when he leaves, he forgets what manner of man he was. So the, the hearer, this is the person hearing the word of God, but not, not doing the word they're approaching this piece of glass, and they're seeing their reflection in it. And in this moment of clarity, they see who they truly are, their natural face. I love that James wrote that, their natural face. According to what the Word of God says, our nature is a fallen one. Ephesians 2, verses 2 through 3, gives us some insight on who we were naturally before Christ. Wherein in time past ye walked, according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So, man, our, our natural face is not an attractive face to behold. So I'm sorry if that offends anyone here. Uh, but it's not super fun to look at because it reveals, it reveals the sin that we have to confront, right? I don't know anyone where that's been a fun experience, but except the fruit that comes after seeing the sin. Because by seeing our sin, uh, we're able to see our need for a Savior. And by believing on Jesus Christ, man, we can have that eternal peace and comfort. So that piece of glass is necessary. Seeing that reflection is completely necessary. But it's, it's a hard one. It's a hard thing to do. And, uh, you know, if you, don't, if you don't behold your natural reflection, if you don't acknowledge the sin in your life, it doesn't mean it's not there and doesn't mean it still doesn't come with consequences. It's kind of like uh, the one really messy closet in your house. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it got better recently. It's still not looking great. You know it's there. You know it's stuffed with junk, and you make a point to avoid it whenever possible hoping to forget about it completely. But it doesn't change the fact that it's still there and it's going to have to be dealt with eventually, right? 
This is why we desperately need to be sharing the gospel, because there's billions of people in the world who have this sin problem, but they don't have the good news that Paul mentions in the following verses here, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But God. So who knows when you read that to, to pay attention. When you read but God, this is God intervening on your behalf. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us, which is to mean he, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So guys, God was gracious to us even when we were sinners against him. And remember all those sayings that were listed in Ephesians earlier? Uh, our nature prior to God intervening. Uh, we were wicked and sinful, but God showed his grace to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And when I was preparing this sermon, I, I don't know why, but I could not shake the song, Because He Lives. That's one of my favorite songs. And uh, if I was Seth, like that one time, remember Seth sang that old hymn while, while preaching from the sermon? I'm not going to do that, because I can't sing like Seth. But I'm going to read these lyrics. I think it's, it's appropriate and it's pertinent. It says, God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. And he bled and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Man. And that's the gospel right there. Jesus took that penalty that we deserved for our sin, buying our pardon. And that means, I mean, he's, he's freed us from the penalty of our sin. He bought that pardon. He bought it with his life. After which he rose again, defeating sin and death, providing salvation to all of us who put our faith and our trust in him. And key point number three is the grace of God alone is our sufficiency. So that's to say, man, there's nothing else in this, in this world um, that we need in order to have a right relationship with God our Father. Man, Jesus Christ, he's our mediator. It's through him that we have a right, a right relationship. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Praise the Lord. Who hears weak? Man, I was like, I've been nervous for a day and a half, but it's all, it's all good. <laughs> Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, God gets glory by using weak people to do strong things when he works through them. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Crystal clear. And Paul himself didn't think highly of who, of who he was, despite the fact he, he was God's lead man in establishing these local churches in the area at the time. Like, largely, a lot of what we have today is owed to Paul and the early believers that dedicated their life to furthering the gospel. And he's the one here saying how humble he is and how he views himself in light of God's grace. And that should be an example for us. Okay, and finally, we're going to look at uh, the promise. So we looked at the command, right? We looked at the warning. And we're going to finish up with the promise in verse 25. Which says, 
But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So this verse here, we can break up into to two major parts. So we see the first part is these four actions that are all divided by the commas. And the second part is the last, the last section of the verse. It's the promise if we heed to those four actions. So to list them off one by one, uh, the four actions, looking into the perfect law of liberty, continuing therein, being not a forgetful hearer, and being a doer of the work. And I figured since we've already talked quite a bit about actions number three and number four, we'll, we'll just hone in on, on uh, actions one and two. So looketh into the law of liberty. Um, that's a phrase we don't see very often. Um, but in contrast to the man that we see in verses 23 and 24 who beholds his own natural face in the reflection, this, this person here is not looking into to see his reflection. They're looking into the perfect law of liberty, uh, which is the gospel that set us free. It's liberated us. You guys see that? Yes. The law of liberty. It's liberated us. It's liberated us from the Jewish law. We're no longer constrained uh, to an unattainable works-based salvation. Nobody in this room could have could have made that happen, but Christ. In Galatians 3, verses 24 through 25, says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So the, the purpose of the law was to do what a schoolmaster does, which is to teach, right? And what did it teach us? Well, it taught us that none could fulfill the law. <laughs> it's, a pretty, it's a pretty stern teacher. <laughs> the fact that none of us could fulfill it and earn our own salvation, it then brings us to Christ in whom is the fulfillment of the law. We see that in Matthew five seventeen through 18. Uh, Jesus speaking here, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. So if we're going to be a people who look into that perfect law of liberty, into the gospel, that means we aren't resting on our works as the basis of our faith, but resting on Christ as the finisher of the law and the foundation of our faith. And there's, there's no gospel, no law of liberty without Jesus Christ. And the, this second action continueth therein. That, that simply means to continue. Therein means what we had just talked about, the perfect law of liberty. That, that person who continues in that perfect law of liberty is looking into the gospel. And the word continue just communicates to us that our, our faith doesn't begin and end with salvation, but it grows as we are obedient to do the work that God has for us. And the promise for those who are faithful to live out these things, this is the last part of that verse, is that they shall be blessed in his deed. And this is so fitting to the main thrust of the passage and really the book of James as a whole, is to be doers of the word. And notice that James didn't write, shall be blessed in his knowledge, or shall be blessed in his words, but shall be blessed in his deed, which is to say he shall be blessed in his doing or performing. And it's in the doing of the word that we find blessing. And real quickly, I want to make sure we're not, getting, we're not getting confused or off track about the main point James is making here. We're not saved by the things we do, right? I mean, it's a gospel of grace uh, through God, through Christ, uh, that we're saved. 
But man, a part of living saved, a part of living a Christian life is to have works uh, that are products, that are byproducts of that faith, right? That's what James is provoking to these believers, saying this should be a part of your life. Um, so upon taking a closer look at the text, we see that God blesses those in their deed. It's in the doing that God provides blessing. The two are tied together. So for example, as, as a Bible study leader, I'm not rewarded with a compensation for a job well done, like for my deed, right? A good night at Bible study, guys got some good takeaways, I go home, Brandon calls me up, it's like I'm gonna Venmo you 10 bucks. <laughs> Venmo you for your good deed. And that's not what God's word says, right? So we're blessed in our deed. So God strengthens me in faith. He encourages me in his word and he knits my heart together with my guys that I'm alongside in ministry. I mean, I'm being blessed by God in my deed, not because of it. And or sorry, Jesus says in uh, John 13, 17, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. We see a difference between knowing and doing. It brings us to our last key point, key point number four. An active faith results in great blessing. Man, an active faith means we gotta, we got to do stuff. we gotta, we got to live it out, live out what we claim to believe and what we sing every Sunday. So Psalm 119, verse 2, says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 25, verse 10, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimony. So we see keep come up twice there. Um, in conclusion, um, I want to, I thought it'd be pertinent or good to finish the sermon with something I'm pretty proud of, but like equally kind of embarrassed to share. So we're, we'll get to it. Uh, many of you know that I've been building a, like a cedar strip canoe for a while, like in my garage. It's now in the basement. Uh, and I wanted to share an Instagram post with you all because, man, it just, it shows you how silly we can be sometimes. And don't worry, this is going to make sense in the end. So right here, this is like two years ago, two years and a month ago. Okay, so it's been some time. And you, I know you can't read that, so I'm going to read it for you. Here, it's, I, I say, quote unquote, back at it. <laughs> The canoe will get finished in 2020, and here's the part that kills me to read today. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> so it's been since Thanksgiving of 2017 that I started this project, uh, still reading the post. And while a lot has happened in between now and then, it's time to prioritize it and get her on the water, thumbs up emoji. <laughs> And to that, to my, to my own self from two years ago, I'd say that there were definitely some ifs, ands, and buts because <laughs> the thing is still not done. <laughs> it looks different now. It's right side up, which is a start, um, but we've, we've still got a few months to go. Um, but guys, I, I say all that. Um, you know, I, I made these bold claims for how the project was going to get finished soon. No excuses, right? And I was going to prioritize my time well. I was going to finish something I started long ago. And truly, like, my, my intentions were there. When I typed this out, I meant every word I was saying. I was, I was on fire. I was like, I'm going to get this thing done. Um, yeah, and I fully expected to complete the project before long. But it, here's, here's the key. Without, maybe you guys have already caught up to me, what I'm about to say. Without the act of doing, 
I mean, if I don't like get out there and actually work on the thing, it's not going to finish itself, right? I'm not going to get this beautiful thing to use years from now if I don't actually work on it, right? If I don't do the work. And Kaya, we can do that exact same thing with our faith. It's kind of a silly analogy or a silly picture, but uh, we can look into the future and imagine ourselves as being wiser in God's word, more skilled evangelists, Bible study leaders, missionaries, church planners, pastors. And these are all great, amazing things to desire. We should desire those things. Uh, and our intentions could be fully honest and pure in those, in those moments. But if we're not willing to be doers of the word, then just like this canoe project, we'll remain stagnant in our development. And that's really what I want to call us to, is, man, for all the believers in the room, um, I'm going to start in closing, so if worship team would come up, I think we're doing that today. We're closing a little early for Mother's Day, uh, so you all can get out with your family and, and have lunch and stuff, but to all the believers in the room here, uh, be, be encouraged to take action in your faith. Uh, we have an amazing promise in verse 25 that God blesses those in their deed. Man, if, if we're willing to be obedient and do the things God has commanded us to do, God's going to bless that work. doesn't mean your life's going to be roses uh, forever from there on out, right? God still puts challenges and hard things in our life to grow us, but God does, he does bless us in those deeds. So if we want the Lord to have this blessing upon us, then we have to be willing to do those things he's called us to do. So be intentional with the people in your Bible study. You know, hang out, get to know where they're at, actually, actually ask how they're doing, right? Beyond the good... Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Um, be bold to share what Jesus has done in your life with your classmates and coworkers. Labor in the word. Uh, if we're faithful to do these things, then we'll see God working in the lives of people in this ministry. And in a room this big, it, it's really likely that there's someone here that's not saved. Someone that hasn't placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And for those of you who are wrestling with what you believe, and I'd like to just maybe put in front of you, maybe you're like this man that beholds his reflection in the glass. Like you're seeing your sin, you're seeing your sinful nature for the first time. Maybe you've known it for a while, but you're seeing yourself in this reflection. And what James is writing here is that we, we can't be people who just see that and walk away because we're just hearing. We're not doing. We're just ignoring it. We're leaving that closet dirty, right? And so, if you're, if you're there right now, if you're there today, if you're seeing that sinful, that sinful nature, and you know that God's working in your life, man, we're, we're going to have counselors down here in front. Um, and the reason they're there is not just to hold a Bible and look cool. They're there to work through whatever God's doing in your life. So, man, if you know that today is your day of salvation, and get, get up here and tell someone about it. Pray through it. Talk about it. Guys, if, if, uh, if God's speaking to you, you're saved, but something in this message encouraged you or provoked you to a work that you know that God would have you to do, come up here and share that same thing. Because we want to be a ministry, we want to be a community of people that are all for the edification and the growth of one another. So otherwise, this is all, you know, it's all just show, right? So we're, we're here to be a ministry and a family that helps each other grow in faith. So guys, I, I love you. I'm going to pray. We'll close in worship. Lord, thank you for your word and 
thank you that you challenge us to get out of our comfort zone. God, to, to be doers of your word. And it's not an easy call. It's not an easy task. And God, I know that it involves dying to myself and what I'd like to do. And God, it, it involves submitting my will to your will, just as your son did. God, help us to make these decisions today that you're impressing on our heart, Lord. I pray for anyone here uh, that is not yet saved, God, that this would have been a clear enough message to, to wake them up, Lord, to, to show them that this is the place to be, that today is the day of salvation. God, you're, you're worth being right with. Uh, and I'm so thankful uh, for this family, God. Um, continue to grow us, God. Keep us on the right path. Light, light our path and direct our steps. Yeah, we love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.